Let's pray. Father, (sighs) open our hearts, open our minds this morning. We want to hear from you. Let's just take a moment. Um, I just ask that each of you would just pray something simple. God, would you speak to me this morning? Lord, we live in a tremendous time. We live in a time uh, of great change. And Lord, I believe we live in a time where you are going to move in a powerful way in our midst, in this city, in this country, in Canada. You have a purpose for this nation to declare the excellencies of our King. Father, we ask that you would send revival to this city, this nation. Renew us. Lord, we've heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds. Would you repeat them in our day? And in our time, make them known. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to be talking about a very popular topic this morning. Fasting and prayer. This week, today, we are going to be kicking off our week of prayer and fasting here at Trinity. And uh, I need to make some clarifications before I move on, though. Um, So yes, we are calling for a week of prayer and fasting, but that does not mean that we're saying we want everyone to fast for the entire week. Okay, although some of you may take up that challenge and say, I'm going to do that. Um, But it's not necessarily asking everyone to fast for the entire week. It may be for a day, maybe two days, whatever it is that you decide, uh, whatever you choose to do. We're calling for the church to take some time this week to prayerfully consider fasting, to set aside some time to fast. Now, those of you uh, who have one of these cards, there's more out again in the uh, foyer there, but this is our week of prayer and fasting prayer cards. Um, On the one side, we have our 2016 Trinity corporate prayer goals, and on the back, you'll notice um, just some things to help you uh, decide what kind of a fast that you can do this week. And so we just ask that you would prayerfully consider that. Now, second, some of you may fast... um, Maybe just one meal a day. Um, others, you may decide to fast during the day and eat dinner in the evening. That's fine. Whatever it is that you choose to do, that is great. Um, but I also want to mention that, you know, there may be those of us here who uh, really it's not a good idea to fast um, for health reasons, um, for work-related reasons. For those of us who work in physically demanding jobs, it might not be uh, possible to fast. That's okay. Um, you know, typically, although fasting is, you know, abstaining from food, we are also calling for an abstention from things like the media, Netflix, Facebook, 
Take some time away just to detach from some of those things that distract us, uh, to connect with the Lord. Whatever it is, you know, it's totally up to you. We're just calling for a time to fast. Now you might be asking, why are we doing this? Why are you calling for a week of prayer and fasting? I am so glad you asked that question, and I'm going to take this uh, time to answer that for you this morning. And I'm going to be breaking down my talk into three sections by asking and answering three questions this morning. Number one, what is fasting? Or sorry, yeah, what is fasting? Number two, why did people in the Bible fast? And number three, why is Trinity calling for a fast? Okay. So to begin, what is fasting? Now, there's a very well-respected preacher in the United States. His name is Pastor Tony Evans, pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. This is what he says fasting is. Fasting is a deliberate abstinence from physical gratification for a greater spiritual goal. Okay? Fasting is a deliberate abstinence from physical gratification for a greater spiritual goal. Now, I wonder if this has ever happened to you. Perhaps you're working on something. Maybe you're working on a project, something you need to get done. And you look at the time, you're working on this thing, whatever it might be. Perhaps you're in school, you're working on a project, you're working on an assignment, you're studying for exams, or maybe you're doing something around the house, building something, or you're organizing, reorganizing, whatever it might be, you're doing something, and you're focused on this project. You look at the time, you're like, okay, it's 11 o'clock, it's almost lunchtime, right? And you're working away. The next time you look at the clock, 2.30, whoa, all this time just goes by. You forget that you didn't eat. In fact, you weren't, you didn't even realize that you were hungry. Does that ever happen to you? There's something you're working towards, and you want to see the fulfillment of this thing that you totally forget about food. Totally forget that you're hungry. The fulfillment of this thing is more important than the fulfillment of our bellies. Right? The hunger to see this project fulfilled is greater than our hunger for food. I wonder if that's ever happened to you. There are things in life that can do that. Definitely things in life that can do that. How much more can God and the pursuit of God do that? He can definitely do that. And so the spiritual discipline of fasting is intentionally setting aside the satisfaction we receive from food to receive the deeper soul satisfaction from God. That is what fasting is. It's striving for more of God in our lives. It's taking the teaching of Matthew 6.33 very seriously. This is what Matthew 6.33 says. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so fasting is a way that we seek first the kingdom, that we seek after God. There's a promise in Scripture about what happens when we seek after the Lord. 
James chapter 4 verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Fasting draws us closer to God. In fact, you know what I found? Fasting actually awakens us to the reality of how near God really is. He's very close. Fasting does that. Makes us aware of God and how close he is. Now one thing I should mention though about what fasting isn't. Okay? Fasting isn't a status maker. Fasting doesn't make you more righteous. I need to make that very clear. In fact, Jesus warns against this kind of fasting. Matthew chapter 6 verse 16 it says this, But when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, put on some gel, shave, you know what I'm saying? That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, the Pharisees, they fasted to be seen as righteous. That's why they did it. To set themselves apart from those who didn't fast or who didn't do the things of the law. And Jesus is saying, that's not what it's about at all. That's not what it's about at all. Fasting doesn't make you more righteous. Fasting doesn't make you more a Christian than one who doesn't fast. There's only one thing that can make someone righteous. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one that can make us righteous. Our standing with God is through Christ and what he did, not what what we could ever do. So we need to make that very clear. Fasting doesn't make you righteous. However, like I mentioned earlier, fasting is a means to draw closer to God, to be captivated by God and his presence in our lives. Another, put it, another pastor put it this way, Christian fasting is hungry homesickness for God. Christian fasting is hungry homesickness of God. Now, I, I'm just, I want to mention this example to you uh, just as an example, okay? Please don't take this as James is trying to be seen as righteous, okay? Because I'm not. I'm not good at fasting, I don't like it. You know, it's not, like, I don't, yeah. It's hard, okay? It's hard. (laughs) But there's times where I'm like, you know, and I said this here before, I am so, like, dedicated, like, in my mind, I'm like, yes, I am going to fast 40 days. I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to fast 40 days. That's right. And I'll actually go to the grocery store and buy juice and get things ready for the fast. You know, I'll do a juice fast 40 days. I'm going to do it. And then, like, not long after, I'm at McDonald's eating a double cheeseburger. It's like, oh, man, shame, shame, right? I'm not good at it. I'm not. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally, okay? I struggle with fasting. So believe me, I'm not boasting when I say this, okay? But at the beginning of this year... um, I wanted to set aside some time to pray, seek the Lord, and fast. Um, So I I took a prayer retreat uh, at the beginning of the year. Went up to uh, Clarksburg Retreat Center. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, They have this small log cabin there. Oh, I wish I had a picture I would have shown you. Uh, 
I have some pictures if you want to see it. It's really cool. Very small little log cabin. And I had to keep it heated with a wood stove. And I felt like I was, you know, one of the early pioneers. Only they had electricity so I could, like, have tea and popcorn or whatever. <laughs> I didn't eat popcorn. I was, I was actually fasting. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I was tempted, though. You know, They had it right there, man. Come on. I'm fasting. Anyways. So... Um, I took some time, you know, I wanted to connect with the Lord and pray. Pray for our family. Uh, pray for the church family. Pray for revival. Um, and so I took some time. And one of the things that I noticed right away as I was fasting was uh, how aware I became of, of God. Uh, my awareness of God became sharper in that time. Very sharp. Um, now, mind you, I was up at Clarksburg. It's vast farmland. Okay? There's no distractions. It's very quiet there. So I was in a unique place. Now, for those of us who can't go up to a log cabin up north to Clarksburg, uh, I understand it's not easy to get away from, from noise. You know, it's not the same as for, uh, for me being at home with, with the kids and uh, a, a list of things that I need to do. It's not the same, right? And so to um, get away from distractions, it's not easy. I was in a pretty sweet spot there to, to connect with the Lord. I understand that. Um, but for some of us, it may mean, you know, whatever things that distract us in our life, to just step away from those things, like little, little things. It could be your cell phone, right? Some of us, man, we're just on that thing. And it just, it's always there. And one of these days, we're just going to get stuck like this. You know, that's not right? So, you know, it may mean, you know, let's just take some time and, and detach from some of those things, you know? Detach from... Netflix, detach from the things that distract us, whatever it might be, just to be alone with God. And uh, let me tell you something. When you intentionally take the time to seek the Lord, by intentionally just setting aside the distracting things in life, listen, you will connect with the Lord. You will. You know, in the Bible, in Jeremiah, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's true. You will. So I took a few days up north to connect with the Lord. Want to know the first thing that happened? This is the first thing that happened. The first way I connected with God immediately. I heard the birds chirping. Now some of you might say, so what? You can hear birds chirping here. Let me explain this for for a moment. The profoundness of what I mean. I didn't hear the birds chirping as background noise. I heard the birds chirping and that's all I was hearing. There was no external noise. There was no internal noise. It was just the birds singing. And all of a sudden, I was caught in this moment. The beauty of it. And I was awakened to the vastness of God. And how huge God is. And how all creation sings to God. It was miraculous. It was beautiful. Just listening to birds. You know what it was like? It was like being in a room. It's dimly lit. And all of a sudden the lights turn on. And you're able to see. That's what it was like. I was able to connect with the Lord. And in that state, I connected with the Lord, prayed, heard from Him. It was marvelous, amazing experience. Not to mention, I got the first night, I got 13 hours sleep. Oh, man. 13 hours, man. I never sleep like that. 
It's amazing. It's grace from God. Although, I will, I will say, so I went to bed at 9.30. At 3.30, because this place is heated by a wood stove, right? Well, I don't know how to operate a wood stove, man. Like, I've never had to do that. So I just, you know, threw a few logs in at 9 and went to bed. And So I'm like, ah, it's comfy at 9, sleeping. 3.30, it's like, <laughs> I can see my breath. It's like, oh my goodness, it's terrible. I had to go put some logs on the fire and go back to sleep. And then I woke up at 10.45. I'm like, wow, what? This never happens. But it was so great. I was able to be refreshed uh, and renewed in my spirit. It was just glorious. It was glorious. Fasting enables us to connect with God. And connecting with God restores our souls. It's marvelous. Now, why did people in the Bible fast? Why did people in the Bible fast? Well, when we read stories of people fasting in the Bible, they were usually going through something that they could not manage on their own. They were going through something that they could not conquer on their own strength. They were just at a loss. Nowhere to go but to God, and that's when they fasted. One of my go-to stories for why people fast in the scriptures is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 in the story of a king named King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat? One of those two anyways. King Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. King Jehoshaphat, he had his CIA, his Central Intelligence Agency. The intelligence agency comes to him and says, King, there's this mass troop encampment surrounding us right now. We're, we're in trouble. And this great army was an alliance of three different tribal groups. On paper, this was bad news. In a military perspective, bad news. Nowhere to go. He's about to get wiped out. This was where King Jehoshaphat's faith was put to the test. Big time. Because it doesn't look good. There's just no way that they could take out this army. There's no way. In the natural. When you look at it in the natural, no way. Right? Sheer numbers. There's no way. But King Jehoshaphat heard the stories of God. He heard how God fought the battles of, for the Israelites. He heard about how he led the people through the wilderness. How he miraculously provided for them. He heard these stories. And now he needed God to move in that very way. He needed God. So you know what he does? The first thing King Jehoshaphat does is he calls a fast. He calls a national fast. Second Chronicles 20 verse 3 to 4 says this, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. So he proclaimed a fast. He gathered all the people. And he prayed. It was quite a prayer. But this part of the prayer is what hits home for me. Verse 12, he says this, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where you're in a situation where 
Nothing that I can do can change this situation. I can do, there's, I, I can't solve this problem. I, I can't do it on my own strength. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Perhaps it's a situation in your family. Perhaps it's a situation at your workplace. Your health. Perhaps it's a situation, finances. Whatever it might be. I don't know what to do. Take heed the words of King Josephat. Lord, we do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. Do you know what we are declaring when we say that to the Lord? We're saying, Lord, nothing is impossible with you. Nothing. You are the provider. You are our strength. You are the healer. You are the one who restores what the locust has eaten. You provide in abundance. Lord, you fed the 5,000. That was impossible. An impossible thing you made possible. You abundantly provided the bread and the fish. There was leftovers, yet you wasted nothing. What I'm going through right now, Lord, it's difficult, but you're not going to waste it. I know. You will get the glory out of what's going on right now. My eyes are on you. That's what we're saying when we pray to God this way. Perhaps you know what I'm talking about. King Jehoshaphat was in a situation like that. And he fasted and he prayed. And you know what? God answered. Miraculously. There was victory. In the battle. God fought the battle. And the people worshipped the Lord. You see church. Fasting not only connects the people to God through prayer. Fasting makes the people realize that God is our hope, that God is our strength, that God is the one we can turn to in any time of need, no matter what we go through in life. God is there. He's there and he's going to do something. God is with us. God battles for us. The people needed to be reminded that with God, nothing is impossible. So knowing that God is our strength, knowing that nothing is impossible with God, why is Trinity calling for a fast? Why are we calling for a fast here at Trinity Church? We are calling for a fast because we need God. We, we really need God. We need God in our individual lives. We need God in our church. We need God in this city. And we need God in our nation. We really, really do. Last week we had Claren Martin speak here at Trinity Church. He's one of the regional ministers of the EMCC. He's a pastor to many pastors, uh, including myself. And uh, he travels to churches all across Ontario. Many, many churches. You know what he said that really hit me hard? What he said last week? He said, The church is dying. More and more churches are dying today. That's what he said. 
It really means something when you hear that from a regional minister who travels from church to church to church to church. And that's what he says. The church is dying. You know what? At Trinity we're saying, no. No, that's not how it should be. That's not how it should be. There is power in the name of Jesus. Okay? The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. It changes people's lives radically. Radically. We've seen that happen here. We've seen the miracle of what happens when someone is awakened to the radical love of God in Christ Jesus. It's incredible what happens. There is power. There is life. How could the church die with that kind of message? That kind of power that is available to all those who believe. It's not that, that doesn't make any sense. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. He's been transforming lives ever since 2,000 years ago. That phenomenon. Listen, when somebody comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, listen, something happens. You become brand new. Holy Spirit comes, invades your life, totally transforming us from the inside out to be into the likeness of Jesus. He makes us new. That phenomenon hasn't changed. It's been around ever since the beginning of the church. It continues to happen today. That is power. That's the power of the gospel. That hasn't changed. That has not changed. So we're saying, Lord, let it not be so. Awaken the body of Christ. Wake us up, Lord. Let there be revival. Let there be revival. You know what? I am boldly declaring, let it start right here. Let it start here. He's done it before. We've heard of the stories that God has done in the past. Great awakenings in Wales. Great awakenings in the States. The Azusa Street Revival. The Jesus People Movement. The Holy Spirit moving on campuses all across America and Canada. Listen, he's going to do it again. God is going to do it again. And we are boldly saying, Lord, let it start here. In me. Let it start in me. Let it start right here. In me. Pastor James, I need revival too. Lord, renew me. Restore me. Revive me. Revive our people, God. Revive our city. Our nation. The power of God will sweep across this nation. I believe it. And so church, we're placing a call out to each and every one of us here to fast and seek the Lord for revival to spread in our church. I believe God is calling us to pray. And I've said this before. He calls us to pray because he intends to answer the prayer. He does. God moves in answer to prayer. And so, I want to extend that challenge to you. Take this time. Whatever, whatever it may be. Again, it could be one meal a day. One meal, one day. It could be just setting aside, you know, I'm going to turn this off. Lord, I want to seek after you. And I want to pray and seek you. Take some time this week to pray. Fast if possible. And again, decide how you're going to do that. Now, again, I'm going to go back to this card here. Again, there's more out in the foyer there. But on this card, um, so for church-wide food fasts, 
there's a section where it says, you know, I will fast on, and you make the decision, you know, one day, one meal, whatever it is, whatever it is you feel that you can do, you could just fill that in, the type of fast, whatever it might be, write that in. Uh, for those of us, you know, fasting from food is not possible. There's, there's an other section. What can I remove? What distraction can I let go of, even for one day, to seek the Lord in prayer? Just want to encourage you to pray about this and, and do it this week. Okay? Now, another section that's on there is personal prayer goals for 2016. Okay? I'm sure each and every one of us has at least one, one big personal prayer request to God for this year. Might be for family, might, whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. I have a few. Okay, so write those down, write that prayer request down, and again, I just want to encourage us, take time this week, even if it's one day this week, to pray, seek the Lord on your own behalf for that, for that one thing, that, that one name that you're praying into, that one situation you're praying into. Um, take some time this week to fast. And lastly, um, I also want to mention our corporate prayer goals for 2016. They are, number one, for revival. Again, we talked about this. Revival to spread at Trinity Church. What does that mean? What, what do we mean by revival to spread? This is what we're talking about. For restoration in personal relationships. For renewed passion for Jesus in our personal lives. For new salvation and decisions and baptisms to happen in this church. For miracles, for an increase of healings and miracles to happen in this church. Those are the things we're crying out to God for. Okay, so pray for revival to spread at Trinity Church. Number two, the second one is for Trinity to reach 100 families in 2016. That's a bold, bold prayer request. And we're saying, God, that's not impossible with you. Nothing's impossible with you. We want to reach 100 families in 2016. Okay, so what that means is for, for an increase in the reach and effect of the Alpha course. Alpha is going to be starting in, in April. So Lord, use Alpha. Use those uh, at Trinity, uh, it, through Alpha, uh, for an increase in the reach and effect of our various family ministries, from nursery, uh, kids' time, bright beginnings, youth, young adults, Lord, adults, seniors, have your way in all our ministries, Father. We want to see 100 families reached in 2016. We know you can do it. And finally, for the completion of our refurbishment project, we want this place to be functional so that we can hold prayer summits, um, various functions for the maximum reach of God's purposes in this city, in our church, in this city. And so, Lord, help us to complete the refurbishment project for the completion of the carpet installation, the chairs, um, everything that needs to get done, the painting, everything that needs to get done. We're praying, Lord, let it be done this year. Again, for the maximum effect of your kingdom in this church. Okay? And so I just want to encourage us to pray um, for those corporate prayer goals as well this week. I've been a Christian for 12 years. That's it. it hasn't been that long. Um, God radically transformed me 12 years ago out of a life of addictions, violence. He renewed me. He revived me, restored me. 
And he placed a burning desire in my heart to see revival ever since. I believe he placed me here to be a part of this amazing Trinity family because he's going to do that here. Through the lives of Trinity folks, the people that we will reach, we're going to see God move in powerful ways here. We have already been seeing that. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So join me as I pray. Let's pray. Father, yes, I may sound like a broken record at times, but I can't help it, God. It's a desire you've placed on my heart. And I believe it is the, it is the desire of our church to see you move, to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know nothing is impossible with you. And at times, Lord, we're seeing what's happening in our world around us. We do not know what to do. (laughs) But our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. Send revival, Lord. Send revival. Father, that it would sweep across this city, this nation, for the glory of your name. You are amazing, God. So now, Lord, we ask that you would go with us. May the grace of God be upon each and every one of you. May you experience the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in a tangible and profound way this week. When you go to work, when you're driving to work, when you're at home with your kids and you see the fingerprints of God on them when you go for a walk and you hear the birds chirping and you hear the sound of creation proclaiming God may you be drawn closer to him this week thank you Lord in Jesus name we pray amen amen God bless you Have a great week.